Mark Gasol is an all-star for the third time. Talk about that. Mike Conley not on the team. And a big conversation with our friend Andrew Ford, former assistant coach at the college level and contributor to Grizzly Bear Blues, among other sites. We talk at length about Grizzly defense. You are Locked on Grizzlies. Locked on Grizzlies, your daily Memphis Grizzlies podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in Locked on Grizzlies. My name is Peter Edmiston. Happy to be with you. Uh, of course, I am uh, co-host of Wolo and Peter, 7 to 10 on Sports 56 and 87.7 FM. I am a contributor to the Commercial Appeal. In fact, you can read uh, one of my pieces uh, today, maybe. I guess it's still up today. Uh was uh, published yesterday uh, afternoon uh, about Grizzly defense, which is coincidental because we're going to talk to Andrew Ford about this great conversation. And if you are a... You know, if you're a detail-oriented fan, if you're a fan, you like nuts and bolts stuff. Sometimes we get on the show. Uh, I like to get into the weeds a little bit, get really deep into some of the the real technical stuff. This is a pretty technical conversation, but I think you're really going to dig it about some of the issues that that are facing the Grizzlies defensively um, going forward. And just to give you a little quick rundown, I mean, my the conclusion that I drew so far, at least, uh, there are some issues that are plaguing the Grizzlies, but I don't think it's anything that is completely um, unsolvable or a major, major problem. And let's bear in mind that they still rate very highly um, defensively in a lot of metrics, including pick and roll metrics, like synergy metrics, all that stuff. They're still pretty much what they were last year, year before. Well, actually, much better than they were last year, but last year's numbers were pretty tainted by all the injuries. But go back to two years ago, three years ago, the the, the numbers this year are pretty much exactly the same, if not even a little bit better on a per possession basis. So, you know, you can be concerned about it for sure, but I don't think there's any need to completely freak out. But I think you're going to want to hear what Andrew has to say and some of the details and some of the tweaks that he would like to see, which I think are really, really interesting. Uh, Of course, we start with uh, the major news of the day. Mark Gasol is an all-star for the third time, named to the reserves by the coaches uh, in the Western Conference, uh, not a shock at all, given Mark's season. His numbers this year are absolutely phenomenal. And, of course, coming off of Wednesday night's 42-point performance, it, you know, what, what can you say? I mean, the guy the guy is just absolutely sensational. So, um, you know, kudos to, to Mark. Congratulations to him. And what, what, a, what a story what a story this year has been for Mark. You know, we, we've talked about it um, at length. I, I talked about it on the pod. We'll, we'll do another one, you know, on February 8th when it's the one-year anniversary of the the injury. But, my goodness, to, to come back the way he has come back this year and to be as good as he has been is just remarkable. And to cap it off now with an all-star appearance for the third time, and really a consensus uh, appearance, there was very little doubt. I threw up a poll, uh, and 74% of respondents thought that Mark would be in, uh, and another 10% or so thought that both Mark and Mike Conley would get in. Uh, and so Mark, you know, that, that I think I don't think there was much doubt that, that he was going to get in. Mike Conley did not make it, and interestingly, if you look at the entire... Um, the entire Western Conference reserve squad, uh, 
the thought was that perhaps Chris Paul would make it and that you would see Mike Conley named as an injury uh, replacement for him, but that is not the case. The Western Conference reserves, Russell Westbrook, Clay Thompson. Clay Thompson is uh, certainly a source of controversy because uh, you know, Damian Lillard does not get in, uh, nor does Mike Conley, but Clay Thompson does. Uh, Draymond Green, DeMarcus Cousins, of course I mentioned Marcus Saul, and then the wild cards, DeAndre Jordan, that was a, a shocker, and Gordon Hayward. No Rudy Gobert, no Damian Lillard, no Mike Conley. The snubs in the Western Conference over in the East, Isaiah Thomas, John Wall, Kevin Love, Paul George, Paul Millsap, Kyle Lowry, and Kemba Walker are the two wild cards. I don't think there was too much debate that you could have about the players in the East. Uh, to me, it was pretty straightforward. Over in the West, there was a bit more debate that you could have. And yeah, I, I don't I don't really think Mike Conley, I didn't talk about it much. I don't think Mike Conley really deserves to be an all-star this year. I think the numbers are uh, okay and not bad at all. And I still think Mike, from a talent perspective, is you know has every chance to be as good as any of those guys. But... You know, to me, defensively, there's been slippage. Um, you know, he since he came back from his injury, especially, has not been the same. He missed uh, a fair few games, which doesn't help in the consideration. So, I, I think they got it about right. Um, you know, Damian Lillard's numbers were were, were pretty outstanding. N- no one, I don't think, has missed the All Star game before with numbers like his, twenty six five and five. Um, but you could argue that CJ McCollum is even a more valuable player, or having a better year. Than, than than Damian's having in spite of those numbers. So I'm, I'm not necessarily surprised that he got snubbed either. Uh, but Marcus Gasol gets in. Terrific story. And, uh, you know, Mark's birthday is coming up. He will be turning 32 on his birthday, which will be on Sunday. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Mark's going to turn 32 on Sunday, so happy birthday, big fella. And um, if you look at his numbers, 20.6 points per game, 6.1 rebounds, which is that's not necessarily, that's his career low by far, um, 4.2 assists per game, which is a career high. The 20.6 points is certainly a career high. Uh, 1.1 steals, which is... Right about his career. Technically, that's a career high, but it's you know right on his average of one one steal a game, one point one. So it's a very minor career high at this point. Uh, and then one point four blocks, which is you know roughly what he has been throughout his career. Um, and the minutes, remarkable. You know that he's playing right at the same level of minutes that he played last year, in spite of coming back from that broken foot. And that's more minutes than he played in fourteen fifteen. He averaged thirty three point two minutes per game. 13-14, he averaged 33.4 minutes per game. Uh, in 12-13, his defensive player of the year season, he averaged 35 minutes per game. And this year, he's averaging 34.3. Also taking 16 shots per game, which is far and away a career high while maintaining the uh, same field goal position, uh, the, or field goal percentage, rather, that he had last year at uh, 46.4%. And of course, the well-documented enormous, obvious career highs in three points, uh, three-point shots made, attempted everything. I mean, he's he didn't take any, and now he's taken a bunch, and he's shooting them at 40% this year. So he had a little dip in the three-point form for about two or three weeks 
where he really struggled, but he has gotten that back and then some. He's even going to the, the free throw line at a rate that is uh, higher than almost every other season of his career this year. So it's really all happening for Mark. His offensive rating is the highest that it has been since his second year in the league. Uh, and you know, while his defensive rating is as bad as it has been for a while, you know he 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 was he was at ninety five point four in his defensive player of the year season, which is just an an, an unbelievable number. That's all the way up to one hundred three five this year, but it's different style, different you know different different thing. Everything is it's it's, it's all it's all different. Uh, his turnover ratio is the lowest it's been by far in his career. Um, you know, true shooting percentage is the highest it's been in five seasons. You can go on and on about uh, what he has done. And the usage is up, you know, by far his highest usage at 27.3%. Uh, and he has done that while maintaining and, and improving his turnover mark. It's, it's, a, it's a heck of an accomplishment. He's kept his percentages up, his efficiency up, even though he's using the ball a lot more. Certainly deserving of an all-star appearance. Congratulations, Mark. Well done. And uh, I, I think I think justice was done. I, I, I honestly don't think Mike deserved it. Um, you know, it was somewhat borderline. You could make the case, but I really, I think you know, at the end of the day, that was it was about right that he didn't make it. But Mark, had he somehow not been named, it would have been a travesty. It would have been an absolute travesty. And uh, so this is this is this is the particularly after what happened. The forty did was just a capper. You know, I think everyone had probably already voted at that point, but but that really capped it off. Uh, forty two points. You know, the first sixteen of the game against Toronto and, and the Grizzlies have needed Mark badly. They need him con- to continue to be this good. They need him to stay healthy and uh, so far so good. So again, congratulations to Marcus Hall for being named to the all-star team. A couple quick notes before uh, I uh, throw it over to the interview that I did with Andrew Ford, um, the injury report for the matchup tonight with Portland and the snubbed Damian Lillard. Um, good news, at least early on, that Deontay, uh, rather um, Chandler Parsons and Jermichael Green both listed as probable for the game after both missing on Wednesday with those knee injuries. You know that is something you'll need to monitor throughout. But at least at this point, that looks good going forward. So keep your fingers crossed uh, for those two guys. Now, uh, coming up after a tiny little timeout, uh, my interview about the Grizzlies defense, and we get into it, guys. I mean, we get into it with none other than Andrew Ford. Well, joining me now locked on Grizzlies is a friend of the pod. He is a contributor to Grizzly Bear Blues, and uh, he is one of the guys you definitely want to uh, follow and read about uh, whenever you have uh, any kind of time, uh, whenever he does a breakdown. And he's even guested. He was guest uh, uh, over on the flyer for a little while while our friend Kevin Leip was uh, was away. He is Andrew Ford joining us again here on the pod to talk a little X's and O's specifically. Of course, Andrew was part of Bruce Pearl's staff at the University of Tennessee, has done uh, tons of film study and work uh, with players uh, at a lot of different levels on this sort of thing. So whenever we want to talk X's and O's, I like to bring Andrew in to discuss these things. Uh, Andrew, I, I hope you're well. And I, I got I to gotta start off by asking just in general, so much talk uh, has over the last few weeks about this Grizzly team, it's comprised of really good 
for the most part, individual defenders. Um, they've been one of the consistently best defensive teams in the league uh, for years and years and years. But then you see games like the Houston game back in FedEx Forum uh, a few days ago, games uh, you can look at some of the other you know, the Golden State game you can look at even going back to the Orlando game day after Christmas uh, Boston you can look at some of these games and and they just have these these meltdowns defensively do, before we get into the the some of the ins and outs, do you think is, is is there anything schematically that you see that you don't like or that you think is 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 problematic with the way they defend especially in like pick and roll I think they could definitely adjust some of their coverages in pick and roll, and we can certainly get into that. Um, uh, you know, I think as a whole, there, there's no real blanket strategy that Fisdale seems to be trying to employ when it comes to pick and roll, and I think some of that is what confuses them. You see a lot of teams try to do, you know, be consistent in their coverages, and you see the Grizzlies, it's really dependent on who gets called out, you know, as – who's guarding the screener, who's guarding the ball handler. So it just depends a lot on that. So I don't necessarily know that it's schematics as much as it is a communication issue or sometimes a focus issue. And and that's hard to quantify um, without being in the players' heads. But we've talked about it before. I mean, Mike Conley is a really good defender. Tony Allen's a really good defender. Mark Saul is a really good defender. This team has really good defenders. There's no reason – they should be having the defensive breakdowns they've had, like you said, in recent games. And you just have to wonder, what's the deal? What it's It's got to be a communication issue, and we can get into some of why I think that. It's just you see some guys sprinting, you know, frantically places that they, they feel like they shouldn't have been. And, you know, after the ball inevitably goes through the net, <laughs> you see some guys having some heated conversations and, I still don't think guys are knowing where it is, exactly it is they need to be, and I think Fisdale's trying to adjust their coverages a little bit from past seasons, and it's just it's been a little bit of a slow process. But you know, hopefully, as the season goes along, they'll become more consistent there and not have this drop off from game to game. Well, see, that's the thing is when you talk about consistency. I mean, this team is you know over halfway through the season, and and if you're still searching for consistency on your, your pick-and-roll coverages, then you're probably you know not going to do very well. And yet, if you look at the numbers, uh, you know their synergy numbers have them as third-best pick-and-roll defense in the league, uh, including all the derived offense that comes from pick-and-rolls, which is a number that I, I was really surprised to see. But you know they, they did play very well early on. They were you know, the best defensive team in the league after 20, 25 games or so. It seems to have faded um, kind of weirdly with the veteran guys coming back with Mike Conley coming back from his back injury with, you know, um, Chandler Parsons trying to work him back into the mix, you know, all, all, all James Ennis, who's you know normally a pretty good defender uh, with him coming back. You know, I, I don't know if that's, that's part of it. Uh, but before we get into that, you, you, cause I, I hear you talking a lot and I hear, you know, coaches talk about this a lot, but I want you to help explain to the, the pod listeners out there from your perspective. So what, what goes into guys communicating with each other on a pick and roll? So if you're if you are um, the two, you're the the, the, the guard and the big, uh, and there are other guys that are involved, but the, but those guys really the main two that are involved in that. What what are what's call? Who's doing what? Uh, give me give me the, the idea of the call. 
So where it starts, it's got to start with the big man. It's got to start behind the play because obviously the guard can't see the screener coming up and he definitely can't see which side he's being screened on. So the big, as soon as he sees his guy sprinting up to the top of the key, this, you know, close to the wing, whatever it may be, he's got to call out that coverage and he's got to call out right or left and he's got to be loud about it. He's got to be intentional and he's got to make sure he's seeing. A lot of times you, you see – Back in the day, I think you saw the Spurs do a lot of this called flipping the screen. Mm-hmm. And they'd come up and look like they were setting a screen on one side. And at the very last minute, they'd set a screen on the other. And you see that happen into the Grizzlies sometimes. And I think that's why good defenders like Mike Conley and Tony Allen are getting caught out on screens. So there's not too much the big can do about that. They just have to make the guard aware of the screen. And then the guard kind of has to use his peripheral vision to position himself and get himself in a position to fight over the screen or get under it quick enough to recover. And you're just, like I said, you're seeing a lot of guards get caught out right now, which makes me wonder, you know, without being on the court, it's, it's, I can't hear the coverages, but you wonder how the communication is going because it's got to start with the big, and the big dictates everything. As soon as he dictates, you know, hollers out what it's going to be, drop, drop, if he's dropping, then you know – You've got to fight over that screen. You have to do it. And so it's just I'm not sure that the the communication is getting lost somewhere and then guys are having to recover for it. And You you brought up early in the season it looked great, and I think it looked great because you're having guys like, let's say, Zach Randolph get caught out in the pick and roll. Well, his guys get into the rim, but Marcus All was covering for a multitude of sins earlier in the season. Um, rotating over. He was doing a marvelous job of that, just kind of floating off of his man, a lot like Tony Allen, but in a, you know, obviously a bigger, more rim-protecting capacity. And um, you're not seeing that energy exactly from him right now, I think probably because he's expending so much energy offensively. Uh, Not to say he's doing a poor job defensively. I just – I don't think that was sustainable to expect from him all season. But well, that, that's yeah. something that that's something that uh, that, that David Fisdale has talked about. Um, you know, and I've asked him about that before, and he says that he, he doesn't think his guys are in good enough shape right now. Actually, he doesn't think the conditioning is good enough uh, from these guys, maybe because of injury or because you're coming back from injury in the case of Mark, or because you have Mike's had the back thing, or or you know maybe guys are older, whatever it may be. He doesn't think that they have enough conditioning right now to play hard on both ends and to be fair the numbers would indicate that because you know earlier in the season the Grizzlies were 29th offensively before Christmas and first defensively since then they've they've been you know bottom 10 defensively but top 10 offensively so does it kind of flow that way where you see guys that you know maybe you have to pick your poison and say you know honestly it's more fun to play offense so I'm gonna play a little harder on offense and if we sag on D then so what yeah, I mean, you see a lot of that. You see a lot of that from any basketball team over the course of the season. There's some ebbs and flows, certainly, and um, guys just kind of get content to play a certain role at a certain point. And um, obviously, I mean, Gasol's been flowing pretty well offensively the last five or six or so games. I mean, really recently, and um, I think that's taking a lot out of him, as I said. And I think he's definitely more focusing his energy on that end of the floor. And I think you see that with you know several grizzlies and that's that's not uncommon and that you know i think well certainly before the end of the season you'll see the defense and the offense kind of not flip-flop again but i think it'll get closer i think both will get closer to 
where the Grizzlies probably actually belong on the spectrum of both. Like an equilibrium point. Yeah, I mean, I, yes. think, I, think, that's a, I think that's a good point. Now, one other thing I think before to, to kind of give people from a terminology standpoint or from a basketball standpoint uh, a little baseline before we get into some of the, the nuts and bolts of what the Grizzlies are doing. So, like, not every pick and roll is the same. You know, pick and rolls are, are as different as, as can be. Teams run them differently. What the Grizzlies do in their pick and roll is not the same as what the Rockets do, for example, or you know, some of the other teams that, that employ much more of a spread pick and roll concept. Uh, what, what is the difference from the Grizzlies' perspective when you're defending a spread pick and roll versus a more conventional two-man pick and roll? Well, I think it's a matter of when you're defending a spread pick and roll, it's you see the guy dive to, like there's just so much space in the middle of the floor. So someone has to cover that. So you can't employ a lot of popular tactics. Like it's hard to ice the pick on mm-hmm. a spread pick and roll. So in other words, when I'm talking about icing the pick, I'm talking about the guard putting himself between the screener and his man. So the, ball handler cannot use that pick and must go away from it well if you're setting a screen that high on the floor i mean it's hard for you to get your body in position early enough if that screener is doing his job properly you know timing it right it's hard to ice that so you're gonna have to have some coverage in the middle of the floor which is why you see the grizzlies sink a lot particularly when gasol's involved you see him sink back into the paint. He's kind of waiting to see what happens. He's seeing if the ball handler can get over that screen and recover to his man or if he needs to kind of jump out there. Or, you know, if the ball handler does get over the screen, then he needs to just sink on back and follow his initial screener to the rim. But then there's another way the Grizzlies have tried to handle it, which is blitzing the pick and roll. And that's kind of common to try to just eliminate – high screening rolls, you know, spread pick and rolls right from the beginning, which is I think we you see Zach Randolph try to do it a lot on his own. It almost <laughs> seems like he's trying to high hedge yeah. and he doesn't get back, so it looks like he's blitzing. But really a blitz should be it should involve two players. It should I mean Zach Randolph's not forcing the ball out of anybody's hands by himself. So it's gotta be the a coordinated effort between the guard and the big. So when he steps out that high and is, you know, getting his hands up, chopping his feet, the guard has to help. And that all that is intended to do is to force the ball out of the guard's hands as quick as possible just to eliminate the pick and roll right there and make them run a more conventional play, which plays right into the Grizzlies' hands. But then you've got, you know, a more conventional two-man game. You see that more, you know, side-to-side kind of developing on the wings there is when you can use some of the techniques like ice. So you can, you see the pick, you see it coming from the top of the key, you see it coming from the low post, and you can ice that out. And you can kind of force your ball handler baseline. And that's kind of, that's pretty common technique. And that's more what you want. You you hear coaches say ice or blue. That's, that's the same thing, same technique, same intention. And um, also, I mean, blitzing is, is, the Heat did a marvelous job with that back when, of course, they had LeBron, Dwayne Wade, guys like that, but they did a marvelous job back when, just speaking of when Fisdale was in Miami, that's something you saw kind of common on the two-man game is because you have that sideline to trap people. So if you can get the timing right and get a guard on one side and the big on the other, you can certainly force the ball into a big's hand on the perimeter, and if it's the right guy, I mean, 
he's going to be forced to give it up and they're going to be forced to run a more conventional play. And that's all the Grizzlies are ever trying to do in their coverage because it suits them better because they just don't have the horses to, you know, use the best technique probably in today's modern NBA, which is switching on every screen. They just don't have the personnel to do that. Not many teams do. Well, you end up, you know, passing guys off. That's one of the things that, that is hard to follow sometimes with the Grizzlies approach um, and when you see spread pick and roll teams, you know, that Rockets game was a good example of that, but, but others that employ a lot of different concepts like that, you know, the Grizzlies pass off guys off screens and, and do that switching, but they end up with matchups that, that are, are not necessarily advantageous. You see a lot of, you know, in, in that game in particular, you know, you saw Mark. Uh, guarding James Harden on the perimeter a fair bit. You saw Zach Randolph out there, you know, guarding uh, like an Eric Gordon. Uh, that 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 these are things that that you don't necessarily want. Um, how do you legislate for that? Is that on the fly where 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 guys are going to have to figure out how to pass off guys, or is that a designation from the coaching staff that says, "Look, we got to. This is how we're going to have to deal with this. We're switching everything on the perimeter." A lot of times it's a mandate kind of from the coaching staff. It's because that way it eliminates miscommunication, or it should. If you're told by the coaching staff that you're to switch every screen, then hopefully there's not going to be a mishap where the ball handler just goes right around, the two defenders kind of run into each other, and they just get an easy bucket. But with that said, the Grizzlies don't have the personnel for – the coaching yeah, this staff is not the, this is not the war, This is not the Warriors. Yeah, I mean, you don't they don't have, have a bunch that, of you know like wings that are big and can no, no, no. They, that, yeah. they don't have the per, the personnel for Fisdale to mandate they switch every screen. So they kind of have to play it by ear, and that's kind of. But playing it by ear is it shouldn't be. The problem is the Grizzlies get forced into a lot of switches that I don't think they want to make. I, I don't think it's, but a lot of it is just guys playing on the fly I mean you you have to figure out all right well which guy is in best position to hurt me and am I closest to stop him and if you are then you've got to kind of pick him up and you see the Grizzlies scrambling a lot I mean luckily they they've got some quick guards that know how to recover they've been in the league a long time but so they can rapidly recover and find their guy who they're supposed to pick up when these just random switches happen but the Grizzlies will as long as they have these bigs and kind of this roster structure it's going to be really hard for the Grizzlies to either mandate or just randomly be able to switch on pick and rolls well, well that, that's the in, in the other thing that is discussed a lot and it you know I think to a to a man almost the it's been talked about a lot of late with regard especially to pick and roll is playing on a string, communication, trust, all of that. You know, Mark referenced the other night that you know, guys, when their man gives up a couple baskets, they, they start to make their own little adjustments, and then you lose communication and you lose trust in your teammates that they're going to be where they need to be. Can that, can that sort of communication or that sort of playing on a string, I know it took – the, if you take some of the concepts that they were trying to run in Miami, and it's not exactly the same, but some of it is that Spolstra and Fisdale and that staff put together, um, it took them, I mean, quite a while to to really get all of that going. And they probably had a, a roster in terms of athleticism 
and and structure that was a little more suited to that way of playing than the Grizzlies. And it took them, I would say, a, a, probably a couple of years, really, to feel like they were really comfortable with that. Is that something that with, with the rotating cast of wings that the Grizzlies have had to deal with, with the Parsons stuff and, and the injuries, and with the way that they're structured, can they develop that? Is that, is that possible, or is that asking too much? It depends on how long the wings are going to stay healthy. I mean, obviously you've had wings in and out of the rotation all season, and they play as big of a part in this as the bigs do. And it's something that, I mean, you've got to have roster consistency to be able to do this. And, you know, the Heat did have that roster consistency. and But it, but it still took a while because in today's NBA, I mean, you're not covering the pick and roll in one way. So you're kind of feeding off of each other. So that consistency, just being on the floor together, going through a lot of these coverage together over and over and over again, you start to understand how your teammates handle them, and you're able to adjust better on the fly, even if your personnel is not ideal for the situation. And That's, some, that's a luxury the Grizzlies haven't had just because of the health issues, just particularly on the wing and just guys in and out of the lineup, a lot of guys being used and um, it's just, uh, and also like we talked about, I mean, the Grizzlies don't have the, you know, most mobile big, so it would be nice to see guys like, well, who's to ever say anything about Brandon Wright, but you'd like to see guys like him get back in the mix and see kind of the interchange between how it would look between him and let's say James Ennis, Mike Conley, whoever, I think that would be kind of an interesting dynamic and allow you to do a little more and do it a little quicker than the Grizzlies have been able to do it all season. Yeah, that that's that would be that would be interesting to to see. And I think the 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 big part of it we also we talk about all this. And I like to get all the the scheme stuff because I think you, you bring a great perspective on that that that, that you know a lot of folks. Uh, you know, when you watch the game, you, you got to kind of rewatch it. It's stuff. You, this is where film study comes in because you don't see it in, until you go back and watch it again and again to really see the details that go into all of this stuff. But the same thing, Andrew. If you go back and watch the the film and and what film study shows from these guys is that you go back to effort. I mean, closeouts like basic stuff. I mean, the Grizzlies are the number one team in fouls by a mile they they give up 31 plus free throws a game um you know the, i think second is like 27 i mean they're they're way ahead of the pack in that regard their closeouts have been late or sloppy or sometimes non-existent either too much or not enough you know that the getting hands up you know basic stuff that is just like you would expect them to do there are games where they just don't do it and to me, like that's the most frustrating thing of all because that's something that's it, it, always in your control. I mean, maybe you you just don't have the matchups you like. Maybe it's not your night. May, you know, whatever it may be. But to to not close out consistently, to not you know put those kinds of you know basic points of resistance up, that's the stuff I think that frustrates fans and coaches more than anything else. I agree. I think you see some of this happening because of the breakdowns in these coverages we're talking about. So guys get put out with it more than you would think. So they think they've done their job and they're trying to keep the defense on a string and the ball just moves around, boom, 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 to the next person, next person. And finally they find an open shooter 
and they're upset because of that breakdown. So, and that, it's not fair. They should still hustle out and get a hand up, but you know they're human beings too, and they want to be rewarded for their effort. And when they feel like another teammate has let them down, sometimes you can see that kind of drop off an effort happening, and that's that's just the reality of dealing with you know, humans rather than robots. I mean, in an ideal world, you leave your emotions out of it and just continue to play and do the best you can. But um, you do see these breakdowns in, in, let's just say, pick and roll coverages. And eventually that's going to lead to kickouts and it's going to lead to swings and ball movement. And there's only so much recovering guys can do. And they just eventually get sick of chasing. Um and I think you can see it in the Grizzlies' body language when they feel like they're chasing too much. I mean, you know, you see Gasol slam the ball down after a made basket. You see Tony Allen sulk down to the other end of the floor thinking he's done all he can do to chase after this guy and that guy. You see it in their faces, and I don't know how to fix that. I think that's just kind of – the Grizzlies can be a very emotional team. Um, that's just kind of the character of it, of, of – the unit and um you know i think that's just something they have to deal with i I don't know exactly how but it's just you gotta kind of take it take it all in stride and just try to do the best you can is anything like is anything not fixable with this group i i don't think so i think it's just a matter of you've got to try some new stuff and you you do have to First, you've got to get your effort level up. You've got to get it consistent. As you said, I mean, you're halfway through the season. When is that effort going to become consistent? But schematically, I think for the most part, you're fine. You've got – you. I mean, we're, you're always going to have some issues having guys like Zach Randolph pull down to the pick and roll. There's no doubt about that. There's no perfect coverage to call out that's going to hide Zach Randolph and make him invisible to exploit. There's just no way about it, but – at the same time, I mentioned all those basic pick-and-roll coverages just a minute ago. There, I'd like to touch on something that I would like the Grizzlies to just try for a handful of possessions and see if it works, which I don't know how much anybody listening has watched the Bulls this season, but they've done something that's a little bit interesting from time to time, which is let's say they've got a guy like Jimmy Butler guarding the guy in the corner. You see a high ball screen on spread pick-and-roll, as soon as that screener starts to sprint up to set that screen, what the big does is he drops back down to take Jim Butler's guy in the corner, and Butler sprints up, and he then becomes essentially the big in the mm-hmm. pick and roll, and that allows you to guard way better than just bringing up, up a traditional big to cover that much space. I'd kind of like to say, I don't know if Zach Ranoff's quick enough to get back to the corner, but you'd kind of like to see see them try just something like that. See just something different. I, I, I don't mind giving up a couple buckets on a couple possessions just to see if something like that could work that you could just throw in from time to time when you needed a stop and you knew a guy like him was going to be exploited. Let's say he's having a hot offensive game, so you want to keep him on the floor, but he's you know giving up way too much defensively. That's when you kind of want to throw in stuff like that. But that's, that's more gimmicky, but... I, to answer your question overall, I don't think there's anything this team can't overcome schematically. 
as long as the effort is there. Well, that, that's the kind of stuff that you talk about that is going to be uh, a big part of any kind of a playoff package. You know, because when you get an opportunity to really drill down on a team, and it, 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 listen, it happens every time in a playoff series. I promise you, whoever the Grizzlies end up playing in the playoffs, whether it's the Spurs, Rockets, Clippers, whoever it may be, they are going to put Zach Randolph's man in the screen and roll every time. And they're going to just make you figure out some way to keep him on the floor. <laughs> and that's just what – that's in a playoff series, that's what you do. You remember the Warriors and the Tony Allen thing. I mean, there are, there are specialty things you can do that you're going to put together specifically for those matchups. So I, I think that's a good idea because the Grizzlies are going to have to do that. They've got pieces that are inherently flawed. They've got a lot of one-way players. They've got a lot of guys, whether you're talking about Troy Daniels on the offensive end or Tony Allen on the defensive end or Zach Randolph on the offensive end. A lot of guys that are one-way players in a playoff series when you can really scout and, and specifically target those guys on their weak end of the floor – you got to find a way to keep your advantages still out there. So, to me, this is a good opportunity in the regular season, especially because you've got a six and a half, seven game lead over the eighth seed. You're not going to drop down past seven. Uh, you really, the Grizzlies, in, for all intents and purposes, are in a fight for, at best, the fourth spot in the playoffs. To me, you've got a little freedom of experimentation. You've got some room actually this year to kind of, you know, mess around and lose a game or two. Because in the long run, if you can find some kind of gimmicky thing like what you're talking about, that the Bulls uh, situation, or if you find a particular approach that you like, to me that's more valuable. If you lose a couple games in the regular season but you find a, a coverage that can work, well, that's huge for you going forward. I agree. I, I think the Grizzlies ought to do as much experimenting as possible. And I think another thing that I haven't mentioned yet is one thing you see the Grizzlies do to try to defend spread pick and rolls a lot is you, on these spread pick and rolls, typically you're going to see an offensive player in either corner and you're going to see a wing on the weak side. So when you see this, you what you'll see the Grizzlies defenders who are defending each guy in the corner do is they will sink down to the left and right low block. And I don't, I think that creates a lot of issues for the Grizzlies because – and it starts up top, of course. Let's say Tony Allen can't fight over the screen. His guy's getting into the paint. Then you've got those two guys in the low blocks. Well, then all it's going to take is a pass to the corner, and even if you recover well there, then the kick up to the wing comes, and someone's got to recover there. And you're trying to recover there so hard that he can probably just take it off the bounce and get right to the rim – my point is, is eventually there's going to be an open shot there when you're cheating that much. And I think part of the reason they cheat that much is because of the slow-footed bigs that they're having to compensate for. But I don't see the need for the spacing redundancy. Both of those guy, both of those corner guys are not going to dig down and meet the the dive man at the rim. It's just not going to happen. You only need one of those guys. So – I wish they could tighten up their coverage a little bit in those corners and and not not cheat so much. I just I'd like to see how that would work in practice and that's just another thing that I'd just like to see Fisdale try just kind of maximize your coverage as while well you can in the regular season before you get in a dogfight in a seven game series. This is where I would like to see 
Um, I think if they had a, a more traditional rim protector type guy, I think that would help to alleviate some of that because I think there's a lack of, I don't know, you know, sometimes Marc Gasol I think is too, is too good for his own good. You know, and a lot of times when he's out there, I don't know that he fully trusts Jermichael Green, for example, who, who has a tendency because he's, he's quick, he can get out and, and he can, he can, he can cover a fair bit of ground in a closeout situation. Now, sometimes, you know, it leads to him committing a foul or to you know being closed out on, but his defensive numbers are pretty good. But I think I think there's a lack of trust or a concern there playing alongside of him. And Mark's played alongside Zach for a long time and has had to cover for a lot of his sins. I think that's part of it too. If they had a guy, um, you know, I think the hope is always that a guy like Deontay Davis will 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 turn into that. But if they had a more traditional rim protector type guy that they really have never had, I, I think you might see them more inclined to be less saggy if that makes any sense certainly it does and that's that's hard to project out because you don't know when that guy is going to come into the mix and you would like it to be sooner rather than later but you're right you see those guys having to cheat so much because that traditional kind of just guy who's looming all of the time is not there and Gasol can be a good rim protector but he also wants to play every other role on the court. Right, right. I mean, exactly. he, he's trying to guard two and three guys at once to the point of you don't really know who he's guarding. You, you can kind of tell that his teammates, even though they know he's really just trying to be helpful, ultimately you can kind of see them get upset by it a little bit, kind of like, I've got my guy, go back to yours. <laughs> but that's not in his nature. I mean, if he thinks he can cover somebody, he's going to cover them. So you see a lot of that on ball rotation. Gasol will just run from one guy to the other, and then eventually you're going to get caught out. And I think that's that's why when you've got guys who are roaming in no man's land, like Gasol and Tony Allen, you've got to have these kind of safety valves which i think are the guys who are pinching down onto the low blocks just if there happens to be penetration and a guy gets to the rim you want those guys to be there but sometimes i don't think that's the best use of those guys i just think with the resources you have i think you ought to spread those guys out a little bit because what's happening is when you sink them down that low they're so close together you don't really have to worry about guys scoring at the rim, but then you have to worry about giving up threes. And if you're not giving out threes, if you're all the way on the low block, you've got a far way to close out if the ball gets kicked out to the corner. And if you're closing out that far, you're going to have to do it aggressively. And that gives the ball handler in the corner a lot of room to go around you and then just create the same problem that you were just dealing with all over again. It's, it, it is a difficult it, – it's a dilemma – uh, for the, the Grizzlies, and that's kind of what we've been talking about. And uh, I hope people appreciate uh, your insight because this is great stuff. Uh, we've talked for you know, 25, 30 minutes just about the defensive side. I want to wrap things up, uh, Andrew, with, with this. If, if you're targeting, if you're a GM right now, if you're Chris Wallace, you're looking at the Grizzlies roster and you're figuring out what you're going to do at the trade deadline, What's what's more important? A legit, with all due respect to Andrew Harrison, I think he's done a pretty good job, and defensively, his size certainly is helpful um, in, in these matchups. But a a truly you know legitimate go to, experienced, solid backup point guard, 
uh, a wing, a two-way wing, even one that's you know, sort of a bench, eighth, ninth, two-way wing, but somebody that's a little more consistent uh, in, in that sense than the Grizzlies currently have access to, or a, a big who can defend a little bit better in screen and roll. What, what, do you, what do you target if you could only get one? I think I'd target a better backup than Andrew Harrison, honestly. I think that's the best use of the Grizzlies' resources. I think my second pick would be I'm tempted to go with the legitimate big who can guard screen and rolls better, but you're still going to have, you know, obviously Marcus Allen is not going to suffer a minute's drop from that, and you're still going to want Zach Randolph on the floor, let's say, in a playoff series because of the offense he provides. And, I mean, he still does a lot of good for this team. So it's just a matter of, I think, a guy who's more steady for the second unit who can have the ball in his hands consistently because you're seeing right now, you're seeing Tony Allen run a lot of the offense for the second unit. You're seeing Troy Daniels run some of it. And those are guys who you really don't want running the majority of your second unit offense. So I think a guy like that could kind of make up some ground when teams bench units are in the game. And maybe maybe you make up enough offensively there to kind of compensate for some of your defensive struggles against teams who are trying to spread you out. I, I don't know that that's true, but in theory, that's how it looks in my head. Well, that's, that's all we can go on right now is, is, is the theory of it. Uh, Andrew, many thanks as always. What's the, um, I, I hope folks will be able to see over the next couple of weeks uh, your contributions. Uh, are there, are, is there anything cooking in the kitchen that you got coming? I, I don't know right off the top of my head. I'm hoping to get hoping to get to it though. I'm hoping to start cranking out more articles soon. Hopefully things will start slowing down for me in the old day job and I can start cranking out articles and getting getting some more breakdowns out, hopefully on the Grizzlies and hopefully on some more just NBA teams in general. Yeah, you do a great job with that. So I, I hope uh, I hope so too. But in the meantime I appreciate you sharing with all of our listeners uh your insight. Uh, and uh, I wish you all the best. Again, uh, follow uh, Andrew Ford. It's at Andrew Ford 22 uh, uh, on, uh, on Twitter. Uh, that's right. I got that right. That is, that is correct. Yes. I don't have that in front of me, so I just want to make sure. I, that was the top of my head. So nice. thumbs up. High five to me. Uh, and, uh, and of course, uh, at Grizzly Bear Blues, uh, you can follow Andrew's work there and uh, at Upside Motor and a, a few other places where, where Andrew has been has been seen. Uh, uh, thank you very much. And uh, we were doing this kind of late at night, so I appreciate you uh, sticking around with me and uh, have a good one, man. Absolutely. Thanks, Peter. Thanks so much for joining me here on Locked on a Grizzlies. As always, you can check me out 7 to 10, Wolo and Peter in the morning, Real Sports Talk Sports 56 877 FM. Check out Numbers Game in the commercial appeal. And you can check us out on Facebook. As well, search for Locked On Grizzlies or uh, go to facebook.com slash Locked On Grizzlies. For those of you, of course, that are big fans of the podcast, let me tell you something. This is a great spot for your company. If you want to reach men between the ages of 18 and 54, this is the place for your audiences. And here's something to consider. Recent surveys have shown that podcast listeners are 65% more willing to think seriously about purchasing products they learned about from podcasts 60% 
given equal price and quality, prefer to purchase from companies that advertise on their favorite podcasts. Our rates are very reasonable. Please shoot me an email, Peter, at PeterEdmiston.com. Shoot me a, a tweet at Peter Edmiston or a direct message, something like that. We can get uh, all the information out to you. I'd love to have you on the podcast, become part of our family, and reach all those great folks out there that are listening. Thank you so much. You have been Locked on Grizzlies. Locked on Grizzlies, your daily podcast on the Memphis Grizzlies, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. When everyone is on the same page, getting things done is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that enables your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said. Done.